Good evening and welcome to Be The Gift Connections. I'm Dawn Benjamin with Tennessee Donor Services. August is National Minority Donor Awareness Month, a time to bring heightened awareness of organ and tissue donation to our multicultural communities. This is the first in a series of three programs that we'll be doing to look at attitudes towards donation in our minority communities and the health disparities that exist. Tonight, we're highlighting some special personal stories of those who have been touched by organ and tissue donation in some way. Today, over 105,000 patients are on the national waiting list and more than 3,000 live here in Tennessee. The need for transplants is great among minorities with 46% of the patients listed in Tennessee being black. Marquis Crutcher waited nine years for a kidney transplant. Thankfully, a match was finally found. He and his significant other, Erica Owens, join us to talk about their experience. Welcome to the program, guys. Hi, Dylan. Thank you. Hey, how you doing? Good. Marquis, when were you diagnosed with kidney disease? It was March the 12th, 20, 2012. Yes. And tell us how you felt when they told you that you would need a transplant in order to live. I was devastated because, I mean, I have never been through nothing like this in my life, so it really scared me. I'm sure it did. Um, now, the average waiting time for a kidney is actually three to five years, and you had to wait nine. Uh, were there times when you thought you would never get a transplant? Oh, most definitely. The whole time. And then it finally happened at the end of, like, like three months before I had a transplant. So I was, I, I was joyful then. Like when I, I was coming back from Florida and mm -hmm. they called me and they was like, you have a, a donor here waiting on you. So here I am. That's wonderful. So Erica, over the years as Marquis waited, um, could you see his health deteriorate? Physically, um, maybe losing weight. But mainly mentally, um, he was kind of depressed at times and wanted to sleep and um, kind of lost faith a little bit, but not really uh, physically. Mm -hmm. uh, can you describe for our viewers who may not know anyone who has been on dialysis, but Marquis, can you tell us uh, maybe uh, how that went how many times a week did you go and how did that affect your life i went three times a week monday wednesday and friday and um it was just terrible because i go early in the morning you know i was not used to getting up early in the morning when i was used to staying up at night so it was just like man wow and i understand that dialysis after you go through that it does make you tired yes it's yes tears you down. Mm -hmm. Where's you out like you've been running the marathon. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that you were actually out of town when you got the call. So tell us about when you got the call that a kidney had been found. Erica, were you with them? Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't. So uh, Marquis, tell us uh, how you felt and um, a little bit maybe about how you had to, did you have a pager or? No, they uh, caught my phone. phone. Yeah, they caught my cell phone. And when I heard, when I seen Vanderbilt, they called, I was like, 
Damn, the Kyle, hold on, turn the music down. So he turned the music <laughs> down. <laughs> and I was like, yes, hello. They was like, uh, oh, Marquis, you have a, a kidney donator down here? So, man, I went, I said I was on my way. But mm -hmm. it was going to be like four or five hours before I got there. Right. But that was all right. It worked out. Yes, it worked out perfect. That's great. Now, did you ever have any calls before that they thought that they had a kidney and then it didn't work out? Yeah. Was that your actual first call? A time before that, I was in Florida. They called the day before. I was in Florida. Mm. The next day, I was on my way back from Florida. So they had found me a kidney the first day. Okay. Then, then the kidney, it didn't work out because I was in Florida. So that, I mm -hmm. guess they gave it to somebody else. Then the next day, they had me another one waiting on me. Mm -hmm. So tell us how much uh, the support of Erica and your family and friends have been to you while you've gone through this. Man, they've been a great joy to me and helping me out all the way, keeping me sane, you know, and all that. Because it's been times that I just wanted to give up. Mm -hmm. and I have family here and her here to help me through it. I'm sure. I mean, it's such a, a long time uh, to be waiting and not knowing, you know, what's going to happen. Just seems like, I guess maybe you felt like your life was put on hold in a way. Yes, I couldn't do nothing, you know, three days a week. I, mean, I couldn't go out of town, party, do nothing or nothing. So I was just stuck at home until the weekend or something. So I figured I wanted to do something or something, you know, but I was still tired. Mm -hmm. So I know, uh, Erica, that you and Marquis have started doing awareness projects and we're looking forward to having the two of you volunteer eventually with mm -hmm. Tennessee Donor Services. What is the message that you want to share with the black community? I want to tell everybody to um, take care of yourself, uh, take some preventative measures and Go to the doctor and see what's going on. Try to stay less stressed. And if you um, if you want to give a, a, a organ or if you're thinking about it, don't be scared. Just talk to someone and someone can tell you it's not that bad. Um, it's good to always try to help save a life if you can, yeah. especially if you're a match. So, Marky, did you have anything else you wanted to add? I mean... Take care of yourself. Love life to the fullest. Mm -hmm. So um, how has the uh, transplant journey changed the way that you look at life? I had been through a rough patch in my life the whole time before. And then when I got on dialysis, you know, it's really slowed me down a lot. And then after I got my kidney transplant, I really had to revamp my life and think what I really wanted to do because I've been on dialysis nine years, not doing nothing. So mm -hmm. I just been trying to get my health together, stay in shape and, you know, just talk to others. I want to be a, a speaker for the transplant community or the kidney awareness or whatever, you know, I just, I want to be there to help people because it was rough on me and I didn't have nobody there to talk to me when I was, you know, on it and keep me sane like that while I was on dialysis, you know what I'm saying? Except my family. Right. But don't nobody that, don't nobody know what you're going through. You know what I'm saying? But you inside, you know, people say they know what you're going. Through. I feel you, man. I know you this, that, and the other, but you really don't know because mm -hmm. you know it's hard on you. It's really hard on you. You never know what the next day might bring, you know. 
Yeah. And unless you've been through it, you don't know. And it's good that uh, you want to help others who maybe are going through or down that same road that you've been. Yes. Uh, Erica, how has it changed the way maybe you view life? Um, just to not take life for granted because it's short and anything can happen. You just never know. Um, just be thankful. Thank God every day you wake up. Just don't take life for granted. And keep people around you that's going to keep you motivated to stay alive and, you know, do the right thing. Eat the yeah. right foods and drink plenty of waters, you know. That's great. Marquis and Erica, we appreciate your uh, desire to bring awareness of the need for transplants and the importance of being a donor to the black community. Thank you for sharing your experience with us. We're That's going me. to take a quick break. And when we return, we'll be talking with a donor mother along with her son's kidney recipient. Stay with us. I got uh, first diagnosed with a uh, polycystic kidney disease in 1995. I worked with Daryl and I knew that he was on the transplant list awaiting uh, a kidney. I never got to meet Adam, but um, he donated to me. My brother's kidney was a perfect match for Daryl. Yeah, I have another family now. Life is regenerating and we have to keep regenerating life. They look at me like I'm Adam and I love it. In July of 2017, Lydia Murphy suffered a mother's worst nightmare when her son Tyree died unexpectedly. Lydia was able to look past her heartbreak and grief to help others in need by allowing him to be an organ donor. Lydia, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Tell us about your son Tyree Corley. Oh, Jesus. Um, he was an amazing child. Um, he was so smart at a very young age that uh, people used to say that he's going to be a politician because he used to always walk around and, and wave at people. And um, he was a comedian and he just loved life. And as much as he hated me being sick, anytime I was in the hospital, he stayed overnight. He was there with me 24 seven. So though he hated to be around me in that capacity, he was there as my protector. So I miss him because of that. You know, when I have my down days, I feel like my protector is gone. I know that's hard. Um, so you, can you tell us about uh, a little bit about what happened to Tyree and why you decided to let him be an organ and tissue donor? Um, well, when I got the call that he was being rushed to the hospital, he was 80, he was already 80% brain dead. So I had already accepted the fact that he wasn't going to live. Um, that was on July the 26th and, um, no, 27th, I'm sorry. And when I got to the hospital, you know, it was, I was all over the place, but I had already accepted that it was God's will and God's work. So though I was devastated, I still trusted in God and, um, when everything was announced, when he was announced uh, officially dead, um, I was approached in the hallway by Jonathan to see if I wanted to make him an organ donor. And like I told Jonathan, um, I had to have a blood transfusion 
And if someone hadn't donated their blood, I wouldn't have been able to get that blood transfusion. So it wasn't a question for me. It was an automatic yes. I just wanted to give his father time to join with me. And it would have been yes, whether his father would have agreed with it or not. So it was no question. It was no doubt. He wasn't. I hadn't thought about him being an organ donor, but when I was approached, it wasn't a question. It wasn't a, it was yes. Mm -hmm. Had you ever thought about organ donation prior to this? Nope. I never, nope. I never thought about it because you're so, it's so much negativity surrounding it. You know, people trying to get your organs if you're sick, you know, and they, they want to tell you that, uh, there's nothing else they can do because they're trying to get your organs. So my whole thing was, mm -mm, I'm not being an organ donor. I don't want to talk to nobody about it. It was just that negativity that was surrounding and it didn't even cross my mind with him at all. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how our perspective changes when we have um, something happen, whether it be a donor family or even with recipients, maybe who had never thought about being an organ donor. So when you gave consent for him uh, to be a donor, what was the reaction of other family members and friends? Oh, it actually, it was amazing because there were family and friends in the waiting area and Jonathan came in and he explained how the procedure worked, uh, the benefits of it and the way he explained it. And he was so passionate about it. And, and everybody was just, really excited and it, it really turned a lot of people around to put uh the heart on their driver's license so everybody was very receptive so you now speak to groups about organ donation why is it important to you to do this well for one in in my neighborhood where i grew up in the urban neighborhood we're not educated about it and so because i grew up in the projects and so a lot of people know me and i'm well respected wherever i go i i like to share tyree's story to educate people about the importance of being an organ donor and how it's much more a blessing versus anything else you know a lot of people say well don't nobody want my organs you don't know what anybody want or need you know you might have the perfect organ for someone so it's a passion for me for one so my son's name can be left as a heroic legacy and um, i want to educate people about it because it's very important and it's a blessing it allows the parent or the family member to still have their loved one around even though they're not physically here it makes a difference right um, as you interact with others and you've touched on this a little bit but what challenges do you see, particularly in reaching the black community? Well, I can tell you, honestly, the people that I have talked to, at first they give like this rejection, but as I start speaking, it opens their eyes. So honestly, I haven't had any negative uh, feedback. Mostly it's been positive and people wanting more uh, people are more interested and they want more information so as of now i haven't had any negative feedback well that's great and i had the opportunity to be with you uh this past weekend at an event and i saw the way that you were able to share and you really captured the attention and, and really i think changed some minds so yes. um that's uh very important and we're glad that that you're able to do that mm -hmm. thank you 
Uh, we want to now bring in Tyree's kidney recipient, uh, Joy Arujo. She uh, joins us. She's actually traveling. Um, she is. She lives in Indiana, uh, a little a bit outside of Indianapolis. She and Lydia have been in touch and actually met in person a couple of weeks ago. Joy, uh, tell us about your illness and the transplant journey that started when you were just 10 years old. Yes, I woke up when I was 10. Um, it was May of 1998. Randomly, my eyes were swollen shut and it was really frightening. I went to my pediatrician and that's when I learned um, that I had kidney disease. My kidneys were leaking protein, causing scar tissue on my native kidneys and that eventually I would probably need dialysis or a transplant. But for six years, we held on. I did pulse steroids. I did experimental chemotherapy. I did every type of um, treatment you could think of to try to preserve my kidney function. But eventually when I was 16, um, my kidneys failed completely. I did dialysis for eight months and I got my first kidney transplant when I was 17. Unfortunately, the kidney had chronic rejection and it did not last. And I had to go back on dialysis for about five years. And it was hard. It was, it was really difficult. And I did peritoneal dialysis through my abdomen. I did hemodialysis through the vascular access in my arm. And one day I got the call that another kidney had become available and my life has been changed forever. Wow. Now, how sick had you gotten before you received Tyree's kidney? I had gotten pretty ill. There were days when I was able to maintain and do my best. I really tried to even work out on dialysis, but I wasn't very successful. There were times when my vascular access, my fistula, and through which they do the hemodialysis in center, where it just wouldn't work. So there were days when I would go home from the center and think, you know, am I going to live? Am I going to make it the next two weeks? Because any given time when you have kidney failure, you're just a few weeks out from passing if you stopped treatment or couldn't get treatment. So I was, I was very frightened. I had gotten pretty sick where I couldn't do much. I couldn't go to school. I, I was just very tired all the time and felt very ill. Mm -hmm. So now you're very active and healthy because of the gift of life. Uh, what are some things that you're able to do now that you weren't previously because of this kidney transplant? Yes. Well, I finished my college degree in biblical studies at Anderson University in Anderson, Indiana. I'm now working on my master's degree in strategic communication at Butler University. I work out now. Like I don't feel like I'm about to faint when I work out and I'm able to lift a lot heavier. Um, I competed in a pageant this past week. I went to America's Most Beautiful Miss pageant and I did my best out there. I shredded my stuff in a swimsuit because I had worked out due to this kidney. This kidney has done everything for me. It's given me my life back. I can travel. I can go places with my mother and I don't have to bring a dialysis machine in tow. And it's, it's made a world of a difference and I'm very grateful. That is awesome. So I want to bring uh, Lydia back in. Uh, and I wanted uh, the both of you to tell me a little bit about how you actually got in contact with each other. Lydia? So I received um, an email that um, Tyree's kidney recipient wanted to make contact. And they wanted to know if I was okay with it. And I was like, yes, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had her information and I reached out to her 
and we were both excited and nervous all at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was a lot of anxiety. You know, I reached out, she reached back, and then it kind of like went away, and then it came back. It was yeah, it was it was a lot. It was but. <laughs> But now to be where we are today, it's amazing. But yeah, it was really, really hot. It was stressful. <laughs> it was yes, I echo that sentiment. It was nerve wracking because like, I have Tyree's kidney. I am part of his legacy. And I just wanted to be the right person, say the right things. And it's just a lot of pressure. You just you want to continue this loved one's legacy. And I'm so glad that I'm able to be part of that. I'm glad that Tyree and his whole family. I'm glad that Lydia has opened up her arms to me. It's like gaining a whole new family. And I'm just, I, and I hear her talk about him. It brings me to tears because I hear details I didn't hear before about his life and how he was as a person. And it makes me really tear up. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's a miracle. All this is a miracle. That's awesome. Now you recently actually met in person. Um, so what does it mean now uh to know each other and have that connection um she is family it no no question she is family i think the sweetest thing and i don't joy i don't know if you remember this but i was explaining to my grandbabies you know what their dad did and how joy is living because he was an organ donor and my oldest grandbaby hugged her and she was like i'm so happy for you and that just that just touched my heart i that uh, but yeah, she's family now. So whatever family functions we have, if she can come, she's coming. <laughs> yes, I love it. And I feel like that. Like before I met Lydia or knew anything about Tyree, you just have this energy to go off of. You don't know what your donor was like. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they looked like. But to have a face and have a family behind it is is really mind-blowing, to be honest. It's mind-blowing. Now, um, as we continue... Uh, to work to bring education and awareness to multicultural communities. What would you say to those who are watching that may be undecided about registering to be a donor? And I'll start with Joy. Well, all I can say is that kidney donation has not just changed my life, it's given me life because I probably wouldn't have survived to be 34 without this transplant. So if you are on the fence about donating, just know that you could give somebody life and that your legacy could continue after you pass or your loved one's legacy could continue after they pass. And there's no greater gift in the world than for someone to lay down their life for their friend. You know, it's in the Bible. So if you continue your life through organ donation, it's the greatest gift in the world. Yes. Lydia? So my my biggest thing, and you've heard me say this uh, on Saturday, you know, we were Jesus, who is the greatest of us all. He came to serve and not to be served. And all of us are servants. And so it's a blessing to have your loved one to continue as servers by donating organs. And it is such a blessing. The warmest feeling you can ever get through your pain is knowing that your loved one is going to save another life. And my theory is God took one life which was Tyree, but he saved six lives. And that's what I live on. 
if Tyree hadn't died, then that, those other six people may be dead today. So that gives me joy. So anybody that's on the fence about being having their loved one being the organ donor, rethink it. Give me a call. Look me up. But I'm telling you, it is it's the greatest gift you can give anyone. I actually had the pleasure of being with the family who had made their daughter a donor and me speaking to them about my son being a donor and telling them his story. It gave them comfort in their daughter's death and she was only 13. But the small gift that Tyree was able to give gave this family comfort. And that's the biggest thing. It is a blessing. It is a blessing. I know, um, Lydia, you've expressed it and, and we hear it from other donor families is that this experience can't take away any of your grief or sadness, but in some ways helps to comfort you to realize that your loved one was able to leave that legacy behind and, and save other people's lives. And, and when we're talking about saving a person's life, that doesn't affect that one person. It affects their family and their friends. Yes. Um, so um, a huge number of people are helped uh, just by one person doing yes. that. Yes. Ladies, thank you both for sharing. Uh, Joy, your energy and positivity are an inspiration. Yes. And thank Lydia, you. Thank, thank you for your courage to share your story and your desire to help others realize the importance of the gift of life. Yes. You both take care. You as well. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. We'll be back in a moment. I'm in the ministry. I pastor a church in the small town called Batesville, Mississippi. I was diagnosed with a rare heart disease. The donor's family and the gift of that young man giving has given me my life back. Don't come up with the mindset that I'm going to take it with me. Because what you are taking, you can help someone else live on. What you give can save someone else's life. Our next guest, Chantel Sanders, is currently on dialysis and has been listed for a kidney. Despite her health challenges, she continues to work and try to keep life as normal as possible. Chantel, it's good to see you. Good to see you. Tell us what um, happened uh, that caused you to need a transplant. Unfortunately, um, I have type two diabetes and high blood pressure and the, um, it, it affected my kidneys greatly over the years. Now, when were you listed uh, for a kidney transplant? Um, I was actually listed um, December 26 of 2019 with the St. Thomas um, St. Thomas West Kidney Transplant Center. Now, for our viewers who may not know, it's not just a matter of going to the doctor and they, they put you on the waiting list. Tell us about what the process was like to actually get on the list. Wow. To get on the list, it's it's pretty detailed. Um, it started with me um, meeting um, the the entire um, crew at the uh, St. Thomas Kidney West program. I met with, I have a, a specific nurse. I have, um, I met the surgeons, the pharmacy. It was a, initially it was a, a um, 
a whole day process. I also met with social workers and, and such. Um, they, they take you through the entire program of what to expect. Um, you, you do several testings. Um, and then even though I, I'm on um, peritoneal dialysis right now, um, I started off on hemodialysis. So I still go to the dialysis clinic um, twice every, every two weeks. And um, when they do my, um, my blood work, they also pull blood work for the um, kidney transplant clinic so that they can keep information updated for me. Um, there's several uh, medical procedures I have to do maintenance wise um, just every year um, to keep myself in the, on the listing and in compliance. So it's very detailed. Um, I do have the option, though, to not only list with St. Thomas, but I can also list with Vanderbilt and some of the other um, clusters in the program, even some uh, um, states that are nearby. But I've just decided to stay with St. Thomas for right now. So you mentioned that you're on peritoneal dialysis. Tell us what that means. Well, that means I can do, I've been trained to um, do my dialysis at home and I could do it every night. So I actually um, have a catheter placed surgically into my abdomen area, and the, um, the peritoneal dialysis um, flows, it filters the um, dialysis fluids through my abdomen. So it, it's like a nine hour process. So I usually do it when I'm sleeping, um, mm -hmm. but I attach to my machine. It flows through all of its cycles for the nine hours. It actually filters. Um, my system just but just through the fluids in my abdomen um, and then I at, at the ninth hour I, I'm able to unhook and get up and enjoy my day um, I like it because it's there's a lot of flexibility as opposed to the hemodialysis when I first started in the clinic because mm -hmm. that's more limited um, you have certain hours you have to be there no matter what you're doing you have to stop your day and go to the clinic so this way I have a lot more flexibility and I just check in with the dialysis team every two weeks for adequacy and, and just continual education and, um, and my lab work. Mm -hmm. So I know that the waiting has to be hard. Uh, while it is. It is. Um, sometimes it's a little stressful, you know, because you, you sometimes, you know, I, I'm like, when is it going to be time? Because December mm -hmm. of this year makes five years. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, there are some people that get it right away and there's some people that don't. Um, some of the things that I've tried to do for myself is I've opened up a Facebook page um, trying to solicit for a kidney. I've also um, um, had um, magnet signs made up to, to put on the side of my car. Mm -hmm. um, so just trying to get the word out. But one thing I try to focus on, I have a lot of great support with my family and friends. So I just try to um, focus on the fact that they can call me any minute and I just have to be ready to get to the hospital. Right. So what gets you through some of those those tough times? Oh, man, a lot of prayer. Honestly, I, 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 I have faith in God that He's going to make it happen when it's his time. So I, I have a lot of faith. I pray. Uh, I cry <laughs> to get it out. Um, I try to keep in touch with other recipients. Um, I try to reach out to other people on dialysis um, just to, you know, just kind of keep connected. Um, just to try to research as much as I can to stay informed. Mm -hmm. 
Now, you're the branch manager of the Clarksville Driver Services Center. So that means that you're on the front lines of giving people the opportunity uh, to register to be an organ and tissue donor. Do you see more people that are willing uh, to sign up these days? Yes, ma'am. Um, actually, it, it is part of our process when we're when, when we're processing the processing a transaction for um, a driver's license or an ID. And so it's our standard practice to ask each customer if they want to be an organ donor or if they want to remain an organ donor. Uh, we just update that every transaction. And a lot of times, you know, we're answering the myths, um, but um, we gladly, you know, reassure them that the myths are just that and that we work closely with Donate Life and, um, and that, you know, they could actually save a life. Um, I actually have a personal experience when, when my brother passed away, that was an option um, that was, we were um, approached and asked if, if he wanted to be an organ donor. So I know that some of the myths are not true because I experienced the process and how they um, solicit or inquire. So, mm -hmm. um, but we, we have a lot of people that say yes, even the minors, you know, when we're processing for permits. So it's, 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 um, it makes me feel good because I think, you know what, it could be any one of these guys that that um, qualify as a donor for me. Right. And, you know, we never know when we might have a connection if we don't exactly. already. Um, I yeah. believe the current statistic is that one in three of us at some point in our life is going to have a connection, whether it be that we or someone we know needs a transplant or that we know someone who is a donor. But So it's uh, important now more than ever for all of us to be educated. And we appreciate the Department of Safety and their partnership with us to give people the information that they need to make that informed decision. Yes, ma'am. It's never been more important to me than now. Mm -hmm. What would you say to those watching who are hesitant about documenting uh, their decision? Well, we, we try to just share with them the other side of it. You know, some people, you know, they, if they believe the myth, they don't want to participate at all. But we just try to reassure them that, you know, this is the one person can actually save a dozen lives, if not more, um, because they can actually donate organs, tissue, you know, um, and, and it really is something you can really make a difference in someone's life. You can be the reason they have a life. Right. Chantel, thank you for sharing what you're going through now as you wait for a kidney. Uh, we wish you all the best and look forward to talking to you again when you are a transplant recipient. I look forward to it as well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Tonight, we've talked uh, to five people, each with a special connection to organ and tissue donation. We see that transplants truly do give patients a second chance at life. We see that light can come through the darkness of tragedy, and we see there is hope for those waiting for the gift of life. If you would like to register to be an organ and tissue donor, why not take five minutes right now and document your decision? Simply go to bethegifttoday.com to sign up, and remember to talk to your family about your wishes. Be sure to join us next week for part two in our series as we talk to physicians about the challenges and health disparities as it relates to donation within our multicultural communities. Have a good evening.